Hello friends, welcome to JTalks. You being here means the world to me. Thank you so much for being here. Always see so much of inspiration around me. Love talking to people, more importantly, listening to their interesting and inspiring stories too. Coming up today, our interesting stories on North Cape 4000. And our guest in the house is Johnny Pillar. Without further ado, allow me to welcome Johnny. All right, Johnny, how are you today? <laughs> hey, Jai, it's good to see you. Uh, yeah, I'm good. It's warm in the UK, so it's it's a bit too hot for me. I know it's warm okay. for your kind of temperature, but it's all good. So define hot. Because I'm actually, I'm... <laughs> 30, 30 degrees. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, I think I think we are at almost 40 plus. And um, from the time I actually landed from Norway, it's, it's very, very hot. And there were days it's super humid as well, you know. Um, yeah. So how do you feel after North Cape 4000? Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks now, hasn't it? In a weird yeah, yeah. way. Uh, yeah. it's, the dust has settled. Um, yeah, it feels good. It feels good to look back on it now. It's all a bit of a blur. Yeah. Um, before before you said to do this, like you know, just trying to remember specific days, and it's all mm-hmm. a bit of a blur now. So it's, <laughs> I think that's the good point period where you forget all the bad stuff and you start to just remember all the good stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. So did you go for a ride after that, or still you're just trying to figure I, it out? The week after, I didn't actually go for a ride at all. <laughs> I was going okay. to, then just yeah, just didn't for uh, take some time off, and then um, I went for a ride the week after. Uh-huh. Didn't feel good. <laughs> And then I went on holiday, so oh. that's been my um, my recovery has been not too go? much riding. Uh, Switzerland, yeah, nice, so, <laughs> super cool. Yeah, so exactly. I meet you with you as well. Yes, yes. Nice. Yeah, kind of, we, we plan to go away after the immediately after the race, yeah, nice. but because of delays in me finishing, which I'm sure okay. we'll get to. Um, yeah, we, we knocked it back a week. So nice, yeah. uh, man. Honestly, thank you so much to Nikki and to you because uh, you know if Nikki wasn't there, uh, not have the talk for us to fix the exactly <laughs> fix yeah the final, <laughs> fix the final tuning, right? It's amazing how many little things work out through little know, knock on right? knock on things you weren't thinking about before. So yes, so please convey my special regards to Nikki. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll do. Great. So, did you feel that you actually hundred uh, percent recovered, or uh... it wasn't? Uh, after, after the race, I kind of felt okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel too tired. I didn't. I didn't finish the race feeling tired, unlike other mm-hmm. events I've done. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a full sense of security. Okay. I think the moment you actually stop, stop, mm-hmm. and um, that it hits you, and it really, really hit me when we were away. Um, it rained for a day, so we didn't do anything. We didn't go out, and. Cool, I could get out of bed. It, that was the day it really, really came back. I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I can feel mm-hmm. 20 odd days of cycling <laughs> up, up, up until that point. And maybe I've been ignoring, or maybe I've already was just kind of coping okay. Yeah. But yeah. one of those where it kind of got through. How about yourself? I was okay. I mean, um, from the time I came, came back to Dubai, of course, I'm meeting my wife is the. Um, happiest moment because i you know um 20 days out there you miss everyone in your life and then i met some friends went out for a drink i was okay to be honest i did not feel that i'm completely 
tired or something. I think um, the three days after the race, we were there, right? Like I'm mean, trying to sort out our flight and everything. So I think I think those three days kind of helped us to recover. And um, if I may remember, after the race, three things I was doing was drinking beer, eating, and sleeping. <laughs> I think I think that kind of helped us a bit as well. You know, million dollar question: Did you have your post race review with Neil? No, not yet, actually, uh, because Neil. Our coach yeah. was um, was racing Silk Road. The more the more kind of hardcore events to do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I didn't get a chance before I went away. So and he's on holiday now. So he's doing the yeah. same thing. We both staggered by a week. Yeah. So yeah, next week I'll have my review. But I've nice. had plenty of time to sit around and kind of nice. contemplate it all. You know, in the afternoon, yeah. Yeah. what went wrong, what what didn't go mm-hmm. so well, what went well. You know, things I to think... improve for next time. I think you and I kind of know what Neil is going to say. <laughs> Have you had yeah. yours? I I had a very brief because Neil is in Corsica right now. He's just having yeah. a fabulous time with his family. We both had a brief around 20 minutes chat and yeah. uh, he gave me a lot of um, insights about the race as always. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good, but um, he will have one more detailed one as soon as he's back to the country looking forward to have one you know i i was literally in tears to see neil on the finishing line of the silk road mountain race because yes. you know i mean you lost so much of weight isn't it yeah exactly it's crazy the difference I know. and and also the amount of struggles he's gone through is uh, massive but you know being a coach feeling so proud to see him there and yeah great excellent so johnny where do we start today <laughs> where do we start what do we what do we do <laughs> <laughs> where do we start oh well, yeah i mean we did the north cape 4000 didn't we I think, yeah you know 4000 kilometers from turin in italy to the very top of norway i want to actually correct you here it's not actually 4000 i think it's 4450 oh did you do the maths <laughs> yes i did <laughs> i mean though i was tired um one thing i did af- after finishing the race was i actually went into the strava i just calculated the elevation calculated the kilometers oh, okay yeah then i went to garmin and i just did the same as well so that i wanted to see actually which one is giving us more <laughs> You see, that's one thing I actually haven't done. Okay. <laughs> I, actually did, I actually haven't been through any of the data. I haven't been through any of the rides. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's a positive and a negative to that, which is the data doesn't always dictate what actually happened when you're out there. Mm-hmm. If you look at the data, I might be having a fantastic day, but my power yeah. might be less. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. The, the tough days might be where I was doing an amazing day. I've had that mm-hmm. previously, so I, ha- I haven't been through it yet. I think yeah. that's probably one where I speak with Neil on. It will go through in detail, but... Um, I think it, it can be valuable and also you forget the bits that you were doing when you were there Yeah, yeah as to yeah. why this was like this. So mm-hmm, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, um, I wasn't really, really concerned about the power or the heart rate. I was mm-hmm. just concerned about the kilometers and the elevation. The kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> because if someone tells me that, yeah, Jay did actually 4,000 kilometers, I'm sorry, it's not um, 4,000, it's 4,400. <laughs> Got to milk it for what it's worth. Exactly, right? So I just thought of just, you know, having this chat with you to see how do we feel now and just to yes. have some uh, fun time about the crisis we had for the 20 days. <laughs> the many crises. <laughs> yes. Just, I mean, I, I think I think we never actually spoke about this. How long have you been actually training for this um, race? Yeah, it's a weird one to think about, actually, because I've been training with Neil for, I think, 18 months. Okay. And oh, so nice. I did my first ultra last year and then... I did a gravel ultra in March. Nice. And then 
I, that was part of the build-up, but you also you have the build-up, but you also step down after mm-hmm. an event, and then you start mm-hmm. learning again. So I think properly from about April, the training has been full on okay. targeted from April. And what was your first ultra race? It was London, Edinburgh, London, Audax uh, wow. last year. So that's that's London to Edinburgh and back again. Yeah, um, yeah, but with yeah. the interesting thing about that one is with a time limit. So you have 125 hours to okay. complete it in, which mm-hmm. um, means you have to do a, a good average speed for the time, yeah, including yeah, the sleeping yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So that's my first one. Which was nice. Fun. What was your first one? Uh, my first one was actually Race Around Rwanda. Mm. I did a tour of Neil Greece uh, last year, but actually tour of Neil Greece is not self-supported. Yeah. It's a kind of a uh, stage, you know, uh, every day, I think. I think I used to do... 150 or actually 180 kilometers and but my first proper ultra self-supported race around rwanda and how did this one differ <laughs> it is it it's actually two different races um if, if you look at it because race around rwanda is more of a gravel it's um it's around 60 to 70 percent gravel and um, uh, 30 to 40 percent <laughs> road and it's around eighteen thousand meters of climbing in thousand kilometers so which is a lot and um and also the supplies is kind of a problem there because you won't have any 24 hours grocery or 24 hours petrol station you know uh comparing to that part um i think uh both are actually difficult i mean the thing that makes north cape difficult is i think it's a duration because um my first race was six days which is quite okay you know like i mean you don't miss your family you don't miss anyone but like i mean this race is like 20 days uh, stretch you know 20 days continuous you are like outside your country outside your family so it that makes a little bit uh worse scenario there but 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 i think i think both the races are actually different from its own positives and the negatives. Yeah, yeah. I've been training for what, for the last one, one and a half, one year, I think. Yeah, I actually started with Neil for tour of Neil Greece. Then we just added the race around Rwanda and then the North Cape. So it just, just keeps adding. Snowballing. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Um, I really wanted to actually thank you, uh, Johnny, because for me, I think um, our relationship actually started before the race. I know that Neil um, introduced uh, you to me and then we started uh, sharing information on Discord and uh, I just started to follow you on Strava. And again, um, I remember one day before the race, you were actually very supportive trying to fix my bike and um, I actually lost my loop and guess what I actually found my loop I actually sealed it and kept it inside my BV uh, yes. this is actually a hundred percent proof that I never opened my BV back <laughs> yeah. so so when I just came and um, opened my BV back the first thing I found was a loop I said wow okay <laughs> that's really a good one so I can just keep this loop for the next ultra the next time yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, I really wanted to thank you. And also uh, you being at the course a few days ahead of me, make me feel that there is someone out there, you know. So uh, you are you are like chatting with me on a regular basis. Like, I mean, we both are actually chatting and uh, you are always giving me a heads up saying, AJ, be careful here. There's a headwind, there's a tailwind, you know. So those kind of information really uh, helped me a lot. So you being out there was a great support for me. So thank you so much for all your guidance, your motivation messages time to time as well, you know. So yeah, that really helped me a lot. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it was the same for you. You, you messaged me. We, we basically spoke with each other every single morning, didn't we? We basically yeah, yeah. text each other every single morning before we started out being good luck. You know, how are you feeling today? Yeah. I think it's an interesting part of the racing side because obviously there's sort of events like TCR where mm. 
the point of the race is that you don't ride together. It's your race. Yeah, you're going to yeah. come across the problems. You're going to do all this. It's on self-supported, and you know, no riding together, no, mm-hmm. um, you know, no, no help really. And that's yeah. part of um, part of the race. But when we're with this, and say, you know, it was been great on the build-up of this was being able to chat every, mm. weekly with you on Discord yeah. and the build-up, and then doing the race, you have that kind of like mental support which you didn't quite have. You'd mm-hmm. spot stuff that I hadn't spotted, or you might have this perspective on this piece of equipment that you didn't quite mm. have before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the quite the that was quite a different experience for me for LEL mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. because I was the only one I, I, I didn't have anyone else I knew doing the race. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of Neil's clients were doing the race. And then yeah. on the race, I was on my own. Mm-hmm. And so you're speaking to people as you go, you're finding a little bit bits yeah, of yeah, there, yeah. but it was very, it was very yeah. much, well, mm-hmm. it wasn't a, the same kind of level of rules of TCR, it's the community still is mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. you're still very on your own and it was a very it was a completely different perspective it was incredibly um encouraging i think we got we can i think we, it's fair to say we both pushed ourselves harder as a result or mm-hmm. got through bits that we might not have got through had it not been for the support of each other because you know our family and friends they message us every day right yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. go 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 you're doing great yeah, yeah they don't yeah. quite know what it's like when they're on the road yeah true and you'll have people like neil giving you support but that mm-hmm. pushing support of being like you should go an extra bit because that's his job he wants the best out of our performance mm-hmm. but when we're both mm-hmm. in it together yeah knowing yeah. what each of mm-hmm. all going through because we literally yeah. go through the same things every day pretty much 100 um, percent. it's an interesting kind of um perspective on say yeah. stuff like tcr mm-hmm. and how i would cope or you would cope on t- something like a mm-hmm. tcr where that isn't so readily available yeah yeah no no it's true actually um i still remember actually what neil told me literally i was actually crying to him uh about my pain because i just had the saddle sore um after i think second day or something i told him neil i i can't uh i can't bear my pain anymore it's really killing me he goes like mate you just need to manage your pain for next 20 days there's no other option that's it yeah that's it and he's off i said <laughs> thank you coach <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. but but you know, like I mean, I I think I think that's the tough love between coach and the athlete. Like I mean, uh, he knows when to be strict and yeah. when to just say things, and uh, you know. So yeah, honestly, um, even the whole um, turn cycling community was actually supporting us. I I, I remember Nadine was uh, following the stories, and she was always pushing us and. Uh, a lot of people from the turn cycling community was actually supporting us. Yeah, so it was really a great thing for us, you know. But again, I just I just got this question as well for you. On the day one, I remember, yes, you had um, first mechanical and then mm. after an hour, I had my mechanical. And, uh, <laughs> we started strong. <laughs> I know, right? But but honestly, um, if you didn't support me that time, I think I think I would have actually struggled a bit. So thanks again. And and I think we rode a little bit together. I think on the day yeah, one, yeah. and and then after that we stopped at Iosta. Yes. For the yeah, first yeah, city. First city, and where we were almost knackered already. I think because of the yeah. heat, right? And then yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it was 40, 40 degrees in the valley, wasn't it? Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. going forty degrees. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. And then after that, I think I think we both went to the grocery. We just bought some food, uh, sandwiches, and some. Coke. You also gave me a packet of crisp, I think. Mm. Which <laughs> and, set you up? Yeah, yeah. And, crisp habit. And and I remember you actually left fifteen minutes earlier. And then mm-hmm. after that, I never saw you. So what happened that night? Like, I mean, did you finish the Saint Bernard Pass the same day or next yeah, day? So what happened? It was it's interesting. The first day you kind of it's the only day you can have any control over. 
Yeah. Because you know the first day you're fresh, you're just going to yeah, leave, yeah. and you, mm-hmm. you know you're going to do a, a kind of rough pace. You're going to end up here, here, or here. Yeah. So it's the only night, you, it's the only day you've got that. The rest is all unknown. Mm-hmm. And so, in my mind, the pla- it was going to be a it was going to be a long day of riding. Mm-hmm. So we're going to cover the Grand San Bernardino Pass, which is yeah. two thousand two hundred meter. No, it's actually more than that. I was think it? I think it's around uh, two thousand nine hundred or two thousand seven hundred, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember now, but yeah, it's so mm-hmm. a big mountain pass. Which mm-hmm. I live in the UK, we don't have any big alpine <laughs> mountain passes. Um, so that was going to be an experience, and then obviously getting over it, the mm-hmm. checkpoint after that. Yeah. Was Lausanne. Lausanne, which, correct. Um, was going to be, I think it was a 300 kilometers a day to get to Lausanne. 289, which, something, something like that. Something yeah. like that. But yeah, you yeah. think, oh, that's 280. Okay, we've done the training. Yeah. We know we can do that in a day. Yeah. yeah. We factor in 3,000 meters of climbing as well. So we had, I, from what I remember, we had we had lunch. And then it was just a case of getting it, just getting going. And I know, I was, I think I said to you, it's gonna, just got to get it done. Yeah, way. yeah. I just didn't know how it was going to go when you don't yeah. do these all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and so yeah i got over the pass it took me i think four or five hours okay it took me quite a while to get up um mm. i've just like doing almost intervals mm-hmm. so i'm gonna do 20 minutes mm. and then i'll allow myself mm. to stop and that mm-hmm. 20 minutes will be an absolute snail's pace of just yeah. keeping the power low taking over but in mm-hmm. the end yeah i got i got over to lasam but not sort of about midnight and we set off at what eight in the morning seven in the morning can't remember now um oh. and so yeah i got through to lasam um that night in hindsight, especially just talking to a lot of people around me, probably could have stopped earlier and still had a, um, a better average overall. Maybe it was a bit too much on the first day. But okay. again, you never know um, with these kind of things. I mean, yourself, you, as far from what you were saying, I think, where did you end up sleeping? Mentally, I, I become very tired because I know I know it's a 33 kilometers of long climb <clears> and <throat> I, was, I, was, I was like completely done mentally. And then I was also dehydrated. I actually puked actually three times uh, when I was actually climbing because my stomach was full and I was drinking water and I was coughing as well because, you know, yes. when I started the race, I was actually a little bit sick as well. So I think I think I, I stopped around 150, 160 because uh, I stopped 6.5 kilometers before the climb ends. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, there was there was one um, Italian uh, restaurant come house. So literally, I was actually praying to God, like saying, these people should give me a place to sleep, you know, and then uh, I went there and then I saw a couple of more uh, cyclists there. So I literally told them, listen, I all I need is a little space to sleep. Uh, and then they said, yeah, 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 we have uh, a four restaurant tables. Don't worry, you can use one of the table. I said, oh, yes, amazing. thank you so much. So so then I just I just used the sleeping system and I just slept there for until I think six seven and then I yeah. just climbed the seven kilometers the next day morning and then it's a downhill yeah. downhill to Lausanne and yeah yeah I think uh, uh, yeah you reached uh, the midnight I reached I think next day around uh, one o'clock or two o'clock maybe in the afternoon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I think having spoken to a lot of people when we were cycling most mm-hmm. of the people didn't go didn't go to Lausanne who okay. then really strong later on there's a lot of people saying you know they mm-hmm. caught a lot of people who push 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 mm-hmm. and then okay. blew up okay. and then they, they, they you know I think yeah mm-hmm. so it's different techniques so uh, you went to Lausanne and, and you actually slept there in Lausanne that night? Yes, yeah, I got a hotel there that, that, that night. Okay, okay, all right. Mm, that's great, man, great. So, and after Lausanne, when did you reach Paris? Oh, it's all a bit of a blur, but I, did, I think I did it 
I think two days after, I think. I know there was a okay. hard day the first day, and then it was the, the headwind day. So yeah. it would have been it have been two days after the sun. So probably about day three or mm-hmm. four, I think it must, must have been. What about yourself? I I think I think I took two and a half days. I, I, I can't actually remember, but all I remember was from Switzerland to France was like, I mean, a bit boring for me. And I was I was all alone for a while. I think that night um, I didn't know what to do. That's the funny part. I think I met one cyclist called Alexandro and then uh, he was there. Then I asked him, what are you going to do tonight? Uh, he said, I just got a BNB. Uh, he asked me, what about you? I said, I don't know. He said, okay, let's see like I mean, how the night goes. And then I actually went with him and uh, we both actually shared the BNB that night. So I think I think I took two to three days to reach uh, Paris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's about right for that kind of period. Did you get Did you get the headwind through to through to Paris? No, for me, getting into Paris was a big story. I told you, right? I yes. tried um, reaching Paris. I think second or third day night, and um, once I just and I think I had thirty kilometers to reach Paris, and the cycling track was closed, and I didn't know how to. Uh, oh, okay, yeah reroute and go to the main road and it was it was so freezing cold and I was literally crying you know because I wanted to reach Paris at the same time I didn't want to ride my bike yeah, yeah. I, it was it, it was freezing and at the same time I already booked my hotel as well in Paris yeah. and then uh, I just spoke to Andrea the organizer I told him listen the track is closed and uh, I couldn't find the alternative route and I'm feeling cold so I just uh, called a taxi I went to Paris yeah I came back next day morning okay and we joined and then, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I I actually started from the same place where I stopped but I was literally uh, I was thinking about so many things I think Paris is going to be my last stop of the race or something I was thinking I'm done with this you know and then um, I just said okay let me see what's next and let me just keep riding you know and I just kept on riding yeah and that's where I met a Polish gentleman and then after that the rain started <laughs> yes yes the rain started after Paris I I left I left Paris at seven in the morning. Okay. I, think I, I, I I um I had to fix some stuff. I didn't get to sleep till late, so I had a couple of hours of sleep and mm-hmm. um left Paris in going through the centre of Paris in the rain in rush hour and going up the Champs Elysees mm-hmm. uh, you know Arche out that way it was a great experience, but also absolutely terrifying. Cobbles, yeah. rain, wind, traffic. <laughs> You know, it was a, it was an experience coming out of there. And I never saw actually so much of bike traffic. Yes. I mean, people on bikes were crazy. Huh? So, Johnny, what was the toughest section for you in the race? I mean, yeah, which, which, which bit? You know, I could chalk it down to several um, because again, these things come and go, right? There's the yeah, things yeah. that you, if you're on a normal ride, wouldn't phase you at all. Yeah. But when yeah. you're so tired and you've slept mm. for very little t- amount of time and you're hungry, they become so much worse. Yeah, so yeah. I think I was, I got it was the days running up to the ferry. Yeah. Um, and I'd had, I had at the start of the race, mm-hmm. the first thing I'd done was I'd actually ripped the and tore them, ripped, snapped half of the valve core mm-hmm. out of my valve. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. the first thing we, we mm-hmm. fixed when, when we were on the, st- mm-hmm. on the start line. And I managed to nurse it through, nurse it through, but it was getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And then I, it was two days out from the ferry. Yeah. And I went, I I haven't had a puncture in years. I'm very lucky. Touch mm-hmm. wood. 
the portrait gods have been very good to me for years. Okay. I just haven't had to deal with it at all. Mm-hmm. And then within 24 hours, I had five. I had, wow. a rip, so I had, a rip, I had a rip, two rip tires, a refused tires in. This Where was, was that? Uh, end of Germany, beginning of Denmark, I reckon. Oh. Around okay. there, around there, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. so I, I did, and I just gone from stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. In the mm-hmm. end, I had got a hotel and called it, tried mm-hmm. to repair stuff, and then there was a bike shop that was going to be open at nine in the morning, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. nine half nine. So yeah. I got got a lane, which was the, the yeah. benefit of that. But then went to the bike shop, threw away the back rear tire, yeah. replaced it. They they could only mm-hmm. give me like a tube. I was running tubes at the time, so they could only mm-hmm. do like a, I was running thirty two mil. Yeah, yeah. And they could only give me a twenty-eight mil touring tire with which wasn't tubeless. Okay. But at that point, I was so tired and done. Yeah, with, yeah. with uh, the yeah. tires, I was like, right, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. But then riding through the rain with a different tire with a different mm-hmm. pressure, that was threw me off. And then I lit. I I gone back to the hotel. Was in the town before, so I, mm-hmm. I got the tire set off. I was like, I'm gonna just get this done mm-hmm. now. Gets the ferry, and then I went past the exact same place I had the first puncture. Mm-hmm. And I punctured in the exact same place. I think I sent you a photo. Huge fawn, mm-hmm. straight through the new tire, straight into the new the tube. Wow! And yeah, I was not in my happy place. <laughs> That's terrific. I can imagine, right? Like, I mean, as you rightly said, uh, we are already tired, hungry, boring, and on top of it, you just have the puncture. I can imagine. It's part of racing. Yeah, it you is. have to prepare for it, right? So, part yeah. of training is practicing. Mm-hmm replacing the tire, yeah. doing all the maintenance yourself. Mm-hmm. So you've mm-hmm. got an idea when you're racing, you're always going to turn up in the middle of nowhere, potentially. Mm-hmm. If, it ha- if it had happened in the middle of Sweden, where yeah. we were doing 100 miles without any mm-hmm. anything at all yeah. at the yeah. time, um, you know, it's part of the race. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it was, you know, you have that, I, I set myself on getting to the ferry um, and give myself three big dates. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was, I was, I was ready to go, right? switched mm-hmm. on whatever mode that is to kind of get yourself through to the ferry and first day went really well and bang it was that um that shook me and so i was not in my happy place for a, quite a while after that okay sorry to hear that yeah i know i know that you actually shared and uh, you also kept on sharing the spots where you got flats and and also i remember you also shared with me whenever you found a bike shop or something you always actually yeah. shared the location of the bike shop as well now it was it was really helpful actually what you did you know and the section that you enjoyed the most you're, you're gonna hate you're gonna hate me for saying it but the rain <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, I, 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 there's something I don't know why, but but I really enjoy riding the rain. I think mm-hmm. it's. It, I'm not. I don't enjoy the heat. I don't mm-hmm. enjoy like. I don't do well in those environments. But having I live in Sheffield, mm-hmm. uh, it rains a lot. And Manchester, it rains a lot there. And um, so for me, it's kind of quite natural. Yeah. And I think because I because the valve core is actually running a lower pressure because mm-hmm. I couldn't get it up to mm-hmm. the target pressure I wanted. Mm-hmm. And the bike just kind of felt grippy and mm-hmm. I just felt good. I just felt it, it was raining. And those days coming through Germany and Denmark, it was a bit of a tailwind. It was ever so slightly. Just it, having had days of headwind, it was mm-hmm. just cross tail. So yeah. it wasn't anything to worry about. And that ride coming up through, up until the punctures, um, was amazing. I, I was felt like I was getting stronger every day. Mm-hmm. which I'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was in the rhythm of racing by then. So you yeah, know, you're yeah. used to the waking up, eating all the time mm-hmm. and everything like that. And the, the rain began um, and yeah, I, I felt really good. And I, for some reason, I look back, it's kind of like uh-huh. that, 
you know, type different types of fun, right? Type yeah, one, yeah. type two, and type three fun. It was yeah. like type two fun where you know it's cold and wet, but mm-hmm. actually quite enjoy it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And so later on, once we hit Sweden and the rain get cold, yeah, it was a significantly different type of rain. Mm-hmm. Maybe less so there, but those mm-hmm. days running up from between mm-hmm. Paris and the ferry yeah, where yeah, yeah, we had a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know my favorite days you know actually um you can't blame me as well because from the place where i come from yeah for us rain is a big thing right in fact in fact if you see 99.99 percent of the training wasn't done in rain exactly yeah you know for me for me the first ride for me in the rain was when i did the tour of neil greece on the day one when we started the tour uh, i think in in 13 years that was the first time it actually started with the rain so i rode that particular day, like from, I think, um, the whole 170 kilometers was actually pouring. So that was my first ride in the rain. So apart from that, I never actually rode in the rain. But uh, again, if you look at it, I think um, when it was raining from Belgium, Germany, Denmark, it was okay. And and also, if you look at it, most of the longer days for me was in the rain. Yes. So for me, I think, I think rain was a little bit, I think I wasn't too tired when it was raining. But as you rightly mentioned, the rain in Sweden was different because I was sweating inside yes. and it's outside. It's I was completely wet. And I mean, the minute I just took the jacket off, it was freezing. Yes. At like one point of time, I was crying. I was like, what do you want me to do? Tell me. It's raining. So I got the jacket, but it's sweating inside. So if I wanted to take it off for a minute, it's cold. So what do you want me to do? Like, I, I was, I didn't know what to do. Exactly. I mean, I think that's the thing about getting, as we got further north, the humidity rose. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about, spoke about this because, again, we are polar opposites when it, those conditions, right? What okay, we used yeah. to, what we, what mm-hmm. we did. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where you did so exceptionally well was we had a lot of really bad weather, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you still got through it. Mm-hmm. You still managed to push, get those bits through. It's not be all end all when it rains. You still were able to ride and perform yeah. really well. You still matching me every single day, weren't mm-hmm. you, for those entire dates, despite not being your conditions that you enjoyed at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we got further up into um, Sweden, Finland, Norway, the humidity was just getting higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that really, yeah, as you said, everything was getting wet. Every, like, mm-hmm. You'd be sweating and you were having the condensation and you right. get the rain right, um, right, right and especially those last days the very last days when we had mm-hmm. exceptionally hot weather yeah we're in yeah. the arctic circle and it was 29 30 <laughs> degrees <laughs> not the arctic is it really but the, the humidity was incredible so it uh-huh. was just a sweat fest but mm. even when it was raining it was cold you're still sweating and you're still mm. that humidity yeah. it was a very different challenge you wouldn't normally get those conditions yeah still. for me um i i was i mean i i don't know uh now if i look at it it's it kind of actually sounds funny to me as well. Like uh, for me, there were days where I started wearing my insulated jacket and after 10 minutes, it started raining. Yeah, so yeah. I had to take it off and get the rain jacket. And then when I was wearing the rain jacket, it was cold. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. changed the insulated. So Exactly. You know, that was kind of like, okay, am I doing the right thing? I don't know. Okay, let me just message uh, Johnny and ask him, okay, what's the right practice? Johnny, yeah. what should I wear? <laughs> I think I think that was an. I think if you look at what we learned over that time, mm-hmm. access, easy access, yeah, to yeah. these things mm-hmm. uh, became a big factor because you'll be stop start. It would rain for mm-hmm. a minute, so you put your coat on. Yeah. It would then stop raining, so you put your coat away. Mm-hmm. You get cold, you put your insulated jacket on. It would rain, so you sort yeah. of 
and having figuring out where to place stuff on the bike so yeah. you can get to yeah. it it's still stored but you yeah. can ride as much as you could yeah became an interesting factor in how we you know had to get around that talking about the quick access so uh, where did you store your rain jackets or the other jackets when not in use so i had the i had so i had a bar bag which contained my camping gear mm-hmm. and then i it was the apogee bar roll bag yeah. and yeah. then that has yeah. an extension to it Right, right, the, right. The, the clippable extension. So, mm-hmm. but in there was my passport, was my um, brevet card, um, and my coat, and then any extra food at the time. Mm-hmm. But I accidentally didn't realize that as I was riding some of the rougher bits, it was coming looser and looser and looser, and the bottom right. touched against my wheel. So okay. there's a nice big hole at the bottom mm-hmm. of the bag which let all the water in. Jeez. So after after the, the first day of raining, my brevet card was no more. <laughs> because oh. it was just paper and okay. um, yeah so I, I used that but obviously there's limited mm-hmm. to it just anything going in there was going to get wet so I had to use a dry bag mm-hmm. stuff it in there and I yeah. still reach out, have access to it but mm-hmm. it was more faff because I had to kind of okay. in dry bags and that I was actually lucky on that because um, on the first day of rain I was a little bit cautious because I stored my passport on my frame bag. So I think um, all of a sudden I had to stop at the petrol station for something. And then I just said, okay, let me just check my passport. Yeah. My passport was okay, but my brevet card uh, had a little bit of water strain on it. Then I said, okay, I'm not going to trust this bag anymore. So then I just took my passport, my brevet, everything. I just put it into my tail fin. Uh, that actually kept it safe for throughout the ride, you know. Yeah, so the restrap was, so was just to keep my tablets and my yeah, yeah. quick access thing. And all the other valuable stuff, I actually put it in the tail fin. So that was actually quite good yeah i mean I, I got pretty lucky because of uh, other events you know the brevet car is the most almost the most important part mm, because it's mm. your proof across got the race that you do yeah yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. F- thankfully checkpoints don't really mean anything in north mm-hmm, cape mm-hmm. because they're tracked actually by the gps your got brevet it. card actually didn't mean anything it was more something right. to, to take mm-hmm. home and yeah. i have massive regrets because i don't have one you've got a lovely stat you got stamps every checkpoint <laughs> Because you yeah. arrived at, on, when they're open, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, up till Denmark, I didn't get to one on time. Okay. Um, and then it was obviously destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, I, I, I massively regret it being destroyed and not being there on times, but thankfully mm-hmm. it didn't matter on the race. So. Okay. For me, it was it was all... I kept everything stored on my cockpit because I I, I felt the um, aero bars was actually so comfortable because it's long. So yes. I was just I was just wrapping my jackets and everything over, okay, over, the, yeah, over yeah. that, and I just had this uh, a restrap. Uh, what do you call the strap? So the, I, was the, just, I was just I was just how, how you how you say it? the volley the volley straps? Like the, ah. the, or did you just have the restrap ones? No, the restrap has got actually three sizes of straps: ah, the small, okay, yeah. medium, and the large. So yeah. I was just, I was just using that to store my Pringles and my jacket and everything. Pringles, on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you can fit in a cockpit, isn't it? I know, right? It was, it was really good. Again, talking about the Pringles, right? Did you really struggle for the food refill? Um, <laughs> you know, so in previous years we spoke about this before. And Neil is a big advocate of it's petrol station, yeah. petrol station, petrol yeah. station. Yeah. You get to the petrol station, you get 5,000 calories, and that's going to sort you out for a significant portion of your ride. Yeah. And I've got really good at this. And we'd gone through, we had a, like we put points where 24-hour petrol Correct. stations, which yeah. means that if you're getting there at 2 in the morning or you're getting there at 9 o'clock yeah. at night mm-hmm. or 9 o'clock in the morning, that it's going to be open and there's going to be at least yeah. something. Yeah. The problem with most European petrol stations is that they do not have shops and they're all 
like automated. Yeah. They yeah. don't have um, kiosks like they do in the UK. In the UK, every single petrol station, you can buy food. Yeah. You can buy yeah. Yeah. No, these are all electronic. And mm-hmm. it completely threw me. Completely mm-hmm. okay. threw me. I had yeah. all these plans of, I know in 20K, I'm going to hit 24 hour petrol mm-hmm. station and I'll go resupply there. Yeah. Turn up, there's nothing there. Yeah. And then there's no shop open or there's nothing for another yeah. 100 kilometers. I'd be like, oh no, what have I got? To, can I get me through now? Um, and so that was the biggest, biggest regret was early on. I probably, yeah. I, I probably ran out of energy several times because I hadn't taken opportunities to resupply because yeah. I kept thinking there was something ahead. By the mm-hmm. time we got to Sweden, every time I saw a shop, I was going to top it up, <laughs> you know, because I knew that I mean, as we yeah. found, there were several stretches in, in Sweden where it was a hundred kilometers, a hundred miles yeah. without any resupply or anything at all, no hotel, no nothing. And so that's where the planning started coming in. I'm going to get to the mm-hmm. shop. It's going to be yeah. closed at, at five and I need to make sure I'm there before it to resupply. Uh, I got yeah. caught out several times with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's part of racing, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, it's it's really good. And also, uh, you also supported me like by saying, Jay, just be careful. From from here to here, there's no petrol station, so you just you just got to be careful, you know. So those things actually helped me a lot. But again, um, this is also one of the biggest learnings for me, right? As you said, actually, Neil always says, yeah, you just stop at the petrol station and you just fill yourself with five thousand calories. And I didn't know actually where to put them. Yes. Yeah. Because I I didn't have any uh, space at all in my in my bag, so that's why I mean, uh, if you get an opportunity to read my blog that I actually wrote a few weeks back, one of the top learnings for me is to have a empty space with me, so that uh, when you just go to the petrol station, you can just buy things and you can just put it in the bag. So at least you you have you have a space to carry the food supplies, right? Yeah, so that's the was, biggest learning for me. <laughs> there was a guy that I rode with on the first couple of days, and um, he had this really large kind of um square bar pouch i call it a pouch because it's not a bag but it was like a okay. very very square yeah, um, yeah. with a zip and he mm-hmm. pulled out a, a full pizza from that and i was like okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> because i had nowhere that i could fit a full pizza uh-huh. but actual fact if you're going to you know you go to camp somewhere yeah. you need to carry that you, you might want to oh there's that evening meal there's that takeaway you don't want to stop mm-hmm. so yeah. stop so i'll grab it i'll put it in and i'll mm-hmm. you know, just wrapped up and put it in and yeah. that, again, so I had two Apogee feed bags on the front, and then that they were my food pouch, and then I had a full um, top frame bar uh, mm-hmm. bag, mm-hmm. which I had stuff in. But that's not big enough for that either. So I, I mm-hmm. did, at one point, I did, you didn't. I, I remember asking you about this. You didn't go to the um, pizza machines. No, it was like absolutely a, a not. Vending machine for pizzas. Ab- it was the absolutely best thing not. <laughs> so I, I, I did that, and I, I managed to kind of ram um, a, a, a hot pizza. Um, into the straps of my tail fin. Okay. And I, 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 it almost fell out twice before I stopped. Um, but that was the extent of all I could do. And I do. Mm-hmm. I had this. It was the same thing. Yeah. You you want to ca- you don't want to carry too much space because you'll put too much in it mm-hmm. and you'll weigh mm-hmm. you're, you're packing stuff that you don't need. Yeah, Having no yeah. space forces you to prioritize what you actually end up mm-hmm. needing, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, but at the same time, you need the not emergency space, but just that spare. I need. I actually need to make sure I've got more than I do on a normal day. Mm-hmm. Now, where's that go? Space. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, and that, yeah, I, we had the same thing about that. Yeah, absolutely. And what was your favourite go-to food when you were going? Uh, I think mostly, mostly it was actually French fries. Yes. French fries was like absolutely my favourite, and uh, and particularly while it was raining, stopping and getting a 
getting a small container of french fries was actually my favorite and yeah. and i think i had pizzas as well a lot a lot of pizzas and uh, i mean uh, this is all before scandinavia yeah, yeah. after we after <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once we reached Oslo, I think um, I started missing my French fries. I started missing my uh, pizza. And I remember the day we were uh, talking about 100 miles. We didn't have any stops. Yeah, I think I think the first petrol station was after 180 kilometers. What is that place called? It starts with M. Uh, uh, um, yeah. I, I can't remember, but uh, yeah, that's the place where... Where I started from Stromsen, and after that, the 300 kilometers yes, from yes. Stromsen to that place, right? So that's the that's the only place. Uh, uh, yeah, it it was really tough for me, and I remember, as you said, uh, there was just the petrol stations, and I stopped literally in all the stations to see if I'm lucky enough to find something to eat or to get some yeah. water, right? But uh, nothing. I mean, it wasn't actually successful at all. And again, uh, you know, Johnny, sorry, I just. I want to ask you about your Oslo thing. Like, I mean, I remember you told me that um, you spent half a day in a bike shop getting your yes. bike fixed. Can you just tell me a bit about how you actually got there? Yeah. So the race is kind of, we kind of describe it as being two halves, right? It's yeah. Turin to um, to Fredrikshavn in Denmark. And then there was a mandated ferry from mm-hmm. Oslo to, no, no, Fredrikshavn to Oslo. Yeah, yeah. The problem was pre-race that the actual ferry company, unlike previous years when they've done this this route and got this specific ferry, were weren't able to facilitate the race. They the the tickets were nowhere to be seen online. The mm. ferry was going on some websites. The ferry was not going on other mm. websites, and the company wouldn't confirm mm-hmm. what was going on. So the race uh, decided to open up three other ferry routes to Oslo yeah. to go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, there's one to Gothenburg, and there was two. Um, ferries that went over to the kind of further west of Oslo and the rule was that you could get either of those ferries and then get any public Oslo. transport to Oslo, Oslo so, okay. mm-hmm. yeah so I so lots of people decided pre-race to go buy tickets and yeah. go, I'm going to arrive on day seven and then fair enough they I did. I did. <laughs> they didn't turn up on day seven right um, yeah. and so if they found a ticket they got it and then um, they couldn't make it Mm-hmm. So on other races I did so the, earlier this year, Grand Grouchy, uh, it was a you're racing around um, the Canary Islands, the ferry. Mm-hmm. So you go island to ferry, ferry island, and you mm-hmm. race across. And there was no problem with buying tickets as you went. So I was like, I think this is like any other ferry I've got before. I'll get closer and closer, and then look at tickets as I get closer because I won't. At least then I've got a target, and I'll have you know I could turn up a day early, could turn up a day late, and I've got room. Yeah. So riding, 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 quickly became clear that this wasn't going to work. As yeah. I got closer and closer, yeah. um, there was a kind of a back market of people trying to swap tickets, but I hadn't yeah, yeah, been able to get yeah. a hold of one. Um, yeah. And so, and I had the twenty-four hour puncture problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was all—I was supposed to. I, I my stretch goal with myself just before the punctures was I was going to get there on the thirtieth mm-hmm. of, um, of, and then be ahead of schedule because I didn't think mm-hmm. I was going to make it to the thirty-first. So I was like, "This is great," mm-hmm. uh, but in reality, I didn't get there till the thirty-first. And then, because I couldn't get a ticket, the only ferry to Gothenburg, which was one of the alternative routes, mm-hmm. was going to be the next day. So yeah. that meant I got off. when everyone else got on the ferry that night to go to Oslo. I was in a hotel in Fredrikshavn, and then next morning at nine, I got the ferry to 
Yes, Gothenburg. I remember you told me this, yeah. And then I had yeah. a four-hour wait for the next train to go from Gothenburg to Oslo. To Oslo, okay. Which I was pretty upset about because that then meant that everyone yeah. I wouldn't get there till about four in the afternoon yeah, yeah, on yeah. the first. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else who I've been riding with around that same pace and got those yeah. ferries were mm-hmm, going to be mm-hmm. six, seven hours ahead of me yeah. which I probably wouldn't make up in, 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 over a couple of days. Um, and I was you know, sat there not moving forward, right? You spent yeah. the last however long yeah, moving forward yeah. and now that that was over so thankfully because i had this rip tire i'd replaced the other one but it wasn't working like going from gp 5000s to a cheap touring mm-hmm. tire no yeah. difference so, and then i just went past a sh- the trek shop in gothenburg and i've got, I've got an hour okay. so I went and said, you, you don't have any tires do you tubeless because again you can't find tubeless tires mm-hmm. in a small random shop in the middle yeah. of nowhere in in yeah. europe uh-huh it's not their market and mm-hmm. um they're like yeah cool yeah do you want to use the um workshop no, it's, it's a quiet day today yeah, just, yeah and so um one of the guys from the trek shop just sat with me chatted as we just mm-hmm. as i just cleaned up the bike replaced the tires reset nice. the tubeless replaced the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, brake pads and just got all the maintenance bits done so in the end yeah. it got me through to the end because i don't know how it would have gone so um, some of those sections we did in yeah. scandinavia mm-hmm. going tubes and Going for the bits we did, I yeah. think it'd been t- very touch and go. There's a lot more gra- there's a lot of gravel mm-hmm. sections, surprise gravel sections. Mm-hmm. It'd have been tough. So in actual fact, it was probably a positive, mm-hmm. but I was so negative as a result because I was, I should have been two days ahead. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But due to all of that, I mm-hmm. wasn't. But in actual fact, it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, perspective is yeah, different yeah, when you're yeah, no, it looking is, back it now. Is. So it is. It is. I mean, even even I was actually thinking about it right after. After I had a brief chat with Neil, I was thinking, oh, okay, if I didn't take uh, more frequent and longer breaks, maybe I could have finished in 18 days, uh, probably two days earlier than what I finished. But again, as you said, uh, the hindsight is uh, the breaks that I took helped me to recover from the fatigue. And it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah, for me, actually, I did not I did not book the ferry as well uh, until I reached uh, Turin. But um, before I met you, I met few people in the BNB where I stayed, and uh, I felt like I'm lost because I met almost five to seven people, and everyone was super organized. They know where they are going to sleep, and they literally booked their hotels, and they had a target of I'm going to do 300 kilometers every day. I think I think I met some very good Swedish. Uh, guys and um, i spent really good two days with them you know eating lunch and dinner they were like super organized like they know uh, we're going to ride 300 kilometers a day first day we are not going to get into the hotel we're going to sleep outside and the second day hotel so like alternative days they planned everything and i think they also executed their plan actually very well as well but they were other people as well, ah, oh, no, we're going to ride 200 kilometers a day. We booked the hotels. I was like, what's going on? I didn't do anything. I did not book yeah, the hotel. Yeah. I did not even book the ferry. I felt like I'm lost. And then I said, okay, let me just look at look at the ferry site at least. And I just made a booking thinking I'm going to do certain kilometers a day. But as you said, uh, he did not go as per the plan. Then I just uh, lost my ticket. I mean, I was trying to trying to give my ferry ticket to someone, but I think they couldn't uh, transfer into their name. But luckily, um, someone else gave their ticket to me. And, uh, okay, uh, yes. and I was so lucky. I think it was, uh, I think the rider's girlfriend was actually ch- chatting with me. So because 
she was not in the race she had enough time to transfer the name and all those things so i was actually very very lucky enough to get that ferry particularly on that day right uh, because um, i was talking to neil and neil is like i told him neil i i wanted to take the ferry tomorrow do you think it's possible he said mate if you wanted to take the ferry you need to do 300 i think i think i had around 290 kilometers or something that that day he said mate with the pace you're going i think you need to start maybe 2 am or 3 am because you're taking longer breaks as well so you need to do 18 hours a day but it is possible so that morning i think i woke up at 1:30 and i started riding at 2 am and after 2 hours the rain started and in the rain i did not stop i just kept on going but luckily i took the ferry that day i think i think that was the longest uh, kilometers for me i think i did around 290 or uh, 285 uh, that was my longest in the whole 20 days ride so yeah thanks to neil because he just gave me the <laughs> gave me the real thing of okay 18 hours so 15 hours you ride 3 hours break so you will reach this time so just go ahead so that that really worked for me that day <laughs> i think sometimes having a target especially on these long races i think this is one of my things that i look back on this race not having a target to go to which is achievable yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't work yeah the moment you knew you had an objective to get there yeah and it was tangible and that there was a reward at the end of it mm-hmm. i think there's you can engage that different part of you when you're doing these races Mm-hmm. um and you being able to achieve that proves mm-hmm. it like you had that objective it had been really tough those days those days before had been really tough for you if mm-hmm. i remember right mm-hmm. and then you're like no i'm going to do it and you were able to pull out after so mm-hmm. many tough days yeah yeah were the longest rides and that ride into into fredericton was not that day was not easy it was rolling yeah, yeah. compared to very flat previously Correct. and Correct. the winds weren't great so mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's 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 amazing what you can do when you've got something in front of you Correct. absolutely absolutely where, whereas when you've got 4400 kilometers yeah to go it, yeah. I, it, the numbers are too big there's yeah. no tangible objective you're just going to end up mm-hmm. somewhere else and you look at the map Correct. look at sweden sweden's mm. really big and you've done that much our <laughs> <laughs> day you know so it's yeah, it's, it's a it's, it's amazing what you can do when you when yeah. you've got that, yeah. that that carrot in front of you i agree because after after neil told me uh, you need to do 18 hours that day and i said uh, how am i going to take really 3 hours of break no 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 i just need to i just need to cut it down so you won't believe me that particular day i was so cautious about my break yes yes i was like no stop get get the things done move keep moving keep moving keep moving yeah. so i i was just all i was actually telling myself was jay you need to take the ferry you need to take the ferry keep moving keep moving you know so that was my only mantra that particular day you know and again as i said uh, talking about the sweden right um, when i was doing the route plan uh, i think i didn't know or i didn't probably check properly i didn't know that sweden is almost 1300 kilometers you know but like i thought sweden is a little part of the ride but then after we reached oslo i think around i, I think after 130 kilometers we entered sweden and sweden was never ending yeah. and then i just realized it's almost actually 1300 kilometers in sweden right we we both jokes about this you couldn't pay me to cycle through sweden again <laughs> it was it was very much a, a long drag and it's uh-huh. it, tell you what it's some beautiful it's beautiful out there right mm-hmm. um, it is it it's, is it's ro- it's rolling roads with you're in the arctic circle and mm-hmm. what comes with that the but it is one road Mm-hmm. one was pretty much one straight combination of roads yeah with trees on the sides some fern some yeah. lichen and the occasional mushroom mm. <laughs> and mm. reindeer and yeah. that's the only thing that's interesting is the reindeer because you, you know that's special yeah. 
um, mm -hmm. and very mentally hard. Again, as we just said, that just that big block and saying, I've got seven more days to get through this. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even got to the end after yeah. that. Yeah. Very, very tough. And also, I don't know if you notice this, every single place has a small airport. Mm -hmm. And Gotta, on, my, yeah. on my dark days, on my, my, my real low days, I did Google when's the next flight <laughs> <laughs> as an option because you're going past it every single day. And you're like, yeah. well, it's, it's there. It's an airport, yeah. It's there. You know, maybe it's a thing. But, yeah. you know, that is, yeah. I guess part of, part of racing, isn't it? Uh, you know, yeah. Finding out how to mentally break stuff down and finding mm -hmm. out how to just get yeah. yourself, even if it's just 20 kilometers than you felt you could do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. It, it's, it's part of part of the addiction isn't it what makes it addicting mm -hmm. yeah i i know like i mean it, it's it's also so interesting that uh, we both have this conversation because we both were there and we both were done it so we can actually relate to what what you're saying and you can relate to actually what i'm saying right so it's 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 really it's really so good to talk about these these things now because i've i I just came across this quote, right? I mean, the crisis of yesterday is a joke of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, so it, I can't really, uh, what can I say? I, I was just talking to Neil even the other day uh, about about this, right? Uh, okay, before I start this, let me just let me just ask you this question. What do you think that kept you going? Oh, good one. Stubbornness. Okay. Partly, partly mm -hmm. stubbornness, partly because you've got people, loved ones, family, friends, yeah. extended people you've never met before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all supporting yeah. you and you don't want to let them down mm -hmm. um and then knowing that it eventually will come into an end it'll be worth it mm -hmm. all that kind of combination of all the thing of all yeah. three like we've mm -hmm. both sacrificed time mm -hmm. money mm -hmm. you know but we could have spent our energies elsewhere so yeah you don't want to let you don't want to let yourself down you don't want to let other people down but you also don't want to mm -hmm. waste the opportunity you, you we're very lucky to have the opportunity mm -hmm. to go spend 20 days yeah riding our bikes true across a, across true. a continent right very true and so you've got to make most of the opportunity when it's there mm -hmm. because you might not have that sec that chance yeah after yeah, that yeah. you know mm -hmm. because yeah. life changes very quickly so. absolutely absolutely uh johnny i i don't know i was I, I was in actually talking to neil right i just told him neil i don't know there is something that kept me going on i mean but i can't figure out actually what what is that one thing that kept me going and and i told him as well it's kind of unknown you know and 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 um I was just talking to my wife as well a few days back. Let it be. Let it be in the unknown. I just. I just don't want it to figure out actually what sure. what actually kept me going. So let it be there. And but there is something that actually kept me going. You know, but I can't. Uh, I can't actually figure out. And and you know, Johnny. Um, I don't know if you're if you're aware or not. Um, I actually. I'm not supposed to do this race. Mm. I was going to actually defer because. Um, I after I finished my race around Rwanda, I had a surgery and I had a two months of actually recovery. So I think April I did not ride at all. Um, I was on a recovery and I think the first ride was in the 10th of May or something. Yes. So I was just uh, I wrote an email to the organizers as well asking for differing and they said no, it's not possible. Then a part of me was telling me that uh, don't differ, just go and do it, whatever it is. And then and then I spoke to a few people and few people said you know it's better to defer this year. I don't think you you would be able to finish this. But then I just spoke to Neil. Uh, Neil is like, that's actually one of the best advices uh, he gave me. He said, look, scratching is part of ultra racing. So even, even the top races, they go to the race and they just scratch. So why are you worrying about that? It's it's just all about the experience you're going to gain. So even if you do 1,000, even if you do 2,000, whatever you do, you're going to come with a bag of experience. So he said, uh, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't defer Jay. Just go give it a shot and then and then we will see. So literally, I did the build up from August um, 21, I think. Yeah. 2021 and then 2000 uh, sorry uh, 2022 and then I just did the race around Rwanda and then after the two months break then I started my training again in uh, May so for me completing this race is something above my expectation you know so yeah. I think I think I think completing the race itself like made me feel so humble I kind of felt this is this is a life-changing experience for me you know and, and there is something that kept me going on I know there's lots of uh, of my friends on social media they were supporting me encouraging me motivating me you know but still there's something that kept me going and i cannot i cannot actually figure out what that is and let it be in the unknown exactly yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah again johnny i know i know that we already spoke i mean I can't believe that we already spoke for almost for an hour and five minutes. <laughs> wow. Really? I know, right? What do you think is your biggest learning out of 20 days on the road? Uh, sorry, 19 days and 10 hours. and <laughs> <laughs> 10 hours. Yeah, the 10 hours don't count. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It, what's the biggest takeaway? What's the biggest thing I've learned is that how your body reacts over that time Yeah, is, is, is different how your mind reacts over that time. Mm-hmm. And you can prepare as physically as you want for mm-hmm. the event, but you also have to train mentally for the event. Yeah. And yeah. as you said before, your expectations, like, and knowing mentally what to prepare for when it's at the lowest. Um, physically, I, I've, I was definitely the best I've been. I felt mm-hmm. I got stronger for a lot of time. Um, I didn't have any aches, pains, mm-hmm. no back problem, no saddle mm-hmm. problems, no feet problems. Yeah. This is the first time it's ever happened. For mm-hmm. some reason, the stars lined there, but mentally, um, I could have been better, especially when it really hit the fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so taking that away um, and knowing that's the thing to improve on, mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is and how to do that yet, but that's the thing that I could have done a lot better. And Sorry, was, sorry, what is that? What did you say? I, I didn't, sorry, I didn't understand the word. So I know, I, like, uh, what was my sibling? What was I saying? Um, there's the physical side and there's the mental side. Right, okay. Physically, I was in the best place possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mentally... I could have done a lot better. You can prepare well for the, for the physical yeah. side uh, by training every day, but yeah. the mental side, until you're in that moment where you're sleep deprived, you're not going to do yeah. that every day when you're out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the experience of riding and, and getting the experience in, I was a lot more experienced this year than I was last year. Mm-hmm. Made lot, tick lots of boxes, but I still have loads to improve around the mentality of how you approach a race mm-hmm. when stuff goes wrong and stuff like that. So there's a big, yeah. that's the biggest thing I'm taking away is, especially if something that, that long, mm-hmm. You have to be able to kind of keep that up the yeah. same way you can physically keep that up yeah. in that yeah. time. Yeah. You're true. eating, you're drinking, but you also need to keep up on that mental side. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, uh, you actually said it right. Uh, even I was actually talking to a friend of mine a few days back and um, he was actually talking to me in the similar lines as well about the body and mind and what they can do, you know. So it's really, it's really amazing to see what they can do, honestly. So what's next, Johnny? What's next? <laughs> Uh, I haven't got anything lined up. I okay. deliberately haven't got anything lined up um, for next year. I think the appetite for for the eventual comeback, the moment that I still look, I, I've been out for a couple of rides now, and it's like, I just, the, I've got to find the enjoyment of riding my bike again mm-hmm. and then find out what I actually enjoy next year. I won't be doing something that's 20 days long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, that length isn't ideal for me. Um, I think maybe the seven, eight day okay. is probably probably peak. What that looks like yet, I don't know. 
Uh, mm. Maybe there's some fun ones I'll do next year, something to enjoy rather than pure racing. Okay. Um, but as of yet, I do not know. What about yourself? <laughs> I was actually all over the place. I was I was looking at uh, two races. One is Trans Am. I don't know why. I I was I was like very keen on doing Trans Am, and at the same time, not gave to Tarifa. That's a, that's a long distance yes. as well. Uh, but again, um, my biggest goal is actually transcontinental. Yes. But I I know myself that I'm not actually ready for transcontinental because I'm actually dependent on actually many factors. So I wanted to start sleeping outside. I wanted to get used to certain certain things. So Neil and I spoke about this. Um, I think we're going to do 2024 as a build-up for me. And 2025, we are just looking at uh, transcontinental. So Neil has suggested me a couple of races. I'm still looking at the options. And uh, most likely, once he's back, uh, when we have a proper chat, I think I think I will just finalize what I'm going to do. But most likely, something to do uh, with lots of climbing and you know because I, I what i felt was um i was actually physically okay most of the days apart from the saddle soreness uh, but mentally i was very very tired when i saw the climbings particularly when i was in sweden i know it was all roly polies but for me whenever i see even a little little climbing i was like mentally done with that you know so i'm not uh, i'm not mentally ready yet so i think i think i just wanted to break that barrier so i think i think next one would be a bit bit climbing and uh, obviously i need to do lots of work on it so yeah waiting for neil to come back we'll have a proper chat and then uh, we'll come to know obviously um, you'll be the first person to know what i'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll, make, I'll have to sign up the same thing, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you have that same preparation again. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And your bike, do you think your bike did the justice? Uh, my bike frame did the justice. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but the, the tires didn't. Uh, my electronics didn't. Um, yeah. But no, it's it, it did. It was the right choice. It was comfortable. I, I Neil has spoken about how it kind of feels like it's part of you. Yeah, and it yeah, should be comfortable. It should be part of you, not something that's yeah. separate. And for the first time, yeah. I've really, I first time I really felt, oh, that actually makes sense. This is actually how this feels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it did very well. Nice, Johnny. I think I think just got two more interesting questions for you. Number one is, let's say if a close friend of yours comes to you and asks you, hey, Johnny, I just want to do this North Cape 4000 next year. What would be your best advice to him? Um, is not to over not to do too much but to pace well it's 20 days long and yeah. if you go out everyone who went out killing it either dnf'd or ended up falling back yeah. having a, a set average pace and a plan mm. and keeping to it paid off massively um for everyone that kind of kept to it and certainly as i maybe not the start but as i got back into it that mm-hmm. really paid off yeah nice and the last question to you is, if you were about to do anything in the world today, right now, what would be that one thing that you would do today? Go ride my bike. Yeah, okay. go ride my bike. It's an easy answer. There's nothing like it. Interesting. Very good. Very good. Johnny, I, I can't be thankful enough to uh, spending this time with me today. It's very really nice pleasure. talking to you. And let's stay connected. 
And yeah. uh, let's just keep in touch. Talk to you soon. Yeah, I'll see you the next race. Interesting stories, isn't it? If you feel like exploring your life potential, simply do it. As I said earlier, there are lots of interesting stories around us. Stay tuned and watch this space for more interesting stories. Once again, you being here means the world to me. Thank you so much. Just to remind you, you're truly amazing. You're truly loved. Thank you.